Whether you've been practicing for a week or whether you've been practicing for many years, if you're like me, Zen can make your head hurt. We've left the monks outside of the room and we've locked the door. It's time for us, members of the Sangha, to get together and just talk about life in the Dharma. Welcome to Voices of the Sangha. This is Juan Rim. And this is Deji. Join us each show as members of Dharma Gate Zen talk about living life with the Four Noble Truths and the Eightfold Path. Every Sunday when we come here, we do a lot of the same things, repetitive behaviors, bowing, bowing to other people, bowing when we come in to the Zendo, bowing when we leave. We do the same chants. We, you know, at the beginning and at the end. And to some folks, that might seem a little too formulaic, um, too um, going through the motions-ish, if I can come up with that phrase. And I'm wondering if other people feel, or how, how do you relate to those rituals? Um, how do you make sense of them? Well, I, I try to look at them and see what is the message. What are, they, what are we trying to convey by doing this? You know, um, bowing to me is a sign of respect or appreciation. So that seems pretty uplifting and positive. So I don't have an issue with that because it, it sends a message, I think, and it encourages us to observe and respect the things that we're bowing to, whether it's a person or a, a mat or whatever. And, you know, it... it doesn't put us on a higher plane. You know, we're bowing to it out of mm-hmm. reverence or whatever. Mm-hmm. So I think that's that's pretty solid. Um, other rituals, I think, are sometimes harder to get your head around mm. because maybe they're historical or something, mm. you know. But I always try to find some kind of meaning. You know, what was the person who thought of this trying to convey? Mm. You know, I mean, people go into Catholic churches and they put their hand in the holy water and, you know, make the sign of the cross, you know. Well, that's to remind them of the cross, you know, and all the things that it means. So for them, that's rejuvenating. You know, the water is a a mini baptism of sorts for them. Well, that's all powerful ritual, you know, and that's pretty cool. Um, But others are a little harder to get your head around. And I think in Buddhism, as in any other practice, you have to pause and think about that. I think... um for the most part, for me, um, it's, it's two things. Well, there are more than, more than two, but the, one, the idea when you go somewhere or do something, there's a sense of comfort of going through the same rituals regularly. Mm-hmm. Um, and over time, that kind of helps you feel like you're a part of something. You're in the know. You know how to do these things. You you And hopefully, you're learning the lessons, too, when reading the Heart Sutra or listening to the Heart Sutra, that you are listening to the message there, but also discipline keeping up with a discipline, which I think is an important part, doing the rituals in order in a way and doing them well. And if you're not, maybe improving upon them. So for me, for the most part, it's the comfort of that ritual um, and then also the discipline of that ritual. Mm. Those are probably, to me, the two most important parts, although the other spinoffs there too, again, being a part of something which is very powerful. That could be the third pretty easily. So um, yeah, that's where I am. 
Yeah, I guess that's a good point. There's um, certainly comfort in uh, having the foreknowledge of what's about to take place, the predictability of um, coming to a space and knowing exactly what's going to happen and what this looks like. Uh, I can think back to when I first stepped into um, a Buddhist temple and feeling like, wow, this is so foreign and strange Mm -hmm. and alien to my complete understanding of (laughs) the world around me. And I was terrified. And I think maybe I'd forgotten about how um, stark... Of a, of, of a different way of doing things was at that time. Um, and, and, and now it's much more comfortable. Mm-hmm. It's much more um, taken for granted. And maybe taken for granted sometimes in not a positive way. Mm-hmm. Um, but it is good, I think, Juan Rim, as you said, and Jerry, right, that this is a reminder of, of who we are, of our identity, which is critical in many ways to um, to our lives outside of this Sunday morning Zen Center space. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right. I mean, I, but, oh, good. Yeah. But I, I like what you had said about that it's important to find what was the original intention uh, for a particular mm-hmm. ritual because, yes, the, the ritual should have, should benefit us in some way. I mean, we, we don't chant... Uh, a random sutra. It's it's our primary teaching sutra, the Heart Sutra, mm-hmm. um, and but also these these ref these these rituals are creating the refuge because it is um, the, the the contrast from the chaotic life outside to a place where um, lost for words, <laughs> trying to put it in a positive way about that the to know. You, you had said it already, that it's comfortable. Uh, the routine is comfortable, but it still it still serves a purpose. I mean, it sets us up to do that meditation that we all do together, which is one of the most important things we can do, mm-hmm. is get that mat time. Yeah. So. I mean, I think you're kind of leading to the idea that sometimes that ritual, doing something over and over again, you start to lose the meaning. Or, and I think this is very common in, in many rituals, is that you forget why. Or you're just not paying attention anymore. You just mouth the words. You know what to say next, and what what the next movement is, and what and then you're not even thinking. You're just you're mindless. You're you're just doing and not being in the moment all the way through. And being a part of our practice, I think for me certainly is just making note of each of those moments and actually listening this time <laughs> to, to the heart sutra once again in every word and taking a moment of contemplation and and. and you know, rather than just expecting, okay, now, okay, bow, okay, yeah, all right, <laughs> bow, okay, bow, <laughs> you know, just, just think about it a little bit more, and and I do, and I and I and I, I find myself, I really do find myself in the ritual mode, in but I I really am aware of that, and so I'd like to just like catch myself, um, and say, okay, can I at least take a few of these moments, you know, maybe half of the heart sutra. I'll, I'll, really pay attention to and then zone out for a middle and then get catch up again i think that's all normal uh but um but not letting that ritual take over into the ritual mind i guess is one way to put it well one of my rituals is an anti-ritual because um buddhism uh, at least zen in a lot of ways is about 
having that beginner's mind. Mm. And some rituals kind of take that edge off because you get lost in the repetition. You know, it's always the same. I'm always, always, always. So I start having anticipations because it's always, always, always. So one of one of my rituals is to um, try to break that, an anti-ritual. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if, if you look at the Zendo and you observe people, you know, if you're a social creature and you pay attention, you notice that some people always sit in the same spot. <laughs> Guilty. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's like I didn't realize these were assigned seats, but people assigned them to themselves. And that's true in, in school, in, in anywhere. People have their spot, you know. So I try to move around, mm-hmm. okay, and... and the experience isn't all that different when you're in one row or another row, but it is slightly different, mm-hmm. okay? And so my ritual is to always try to change something mm. to require me to accept the change, you know, not to accept the sameness, because sameness is real comfortable, mm. and you can lose your way in that, mm. from my perspective. So at home, I don't meditate in the same place, I'll meditate mm-hmm. all over the place, mm-hmm. you know, in the yard, in the kitchen, and you know, in the bathroom if necessary, just to make it different, mm-hmm. you know, to have that beginner's mind thing mm-hmm. as much as possible, mm-hmm. you know, and so I challenge myself. So one of my rituals is to break rituals, mm-hmm. you know. I think a good practice is for your practice is what happens when someone does take your seat. <laughs> you know, when when their ritual does get messed up, you know, maybe the bell was hit at the wrong time. You know, does that ruin everything? No, no, or, or of course. Too many, or too many times. Or too yeah. many times. Oh, or, four, or not three. Oh, oh, oh my, you know, my the whole, it's over today, you know. <laughs> Might as well just all walk out the door. You know, things like that happen. How do you, you know, react to that? And, yes. and, and, and part of Understanding and believe me, you know I have my my moments. <laughs> like, wait a minute, <laughs> but, you know. But then, of course, when I do it, you know, yes, well, you right. know, life happens, and you know. But when someone else, now we have a problem. Mm-hmm. So you have to just step, take that step back and say, okay, back to it. So it's nice to know then that ritual, and when I say ritual, I think. Uh, I sometimes have that negative connotation associated with it, like ritualistic and going through the motions. Um, but sometimes um, thinking about not going through the motions as you're going through the motions. For instance, I can't help it sometimes. I can't help it sometimes um, when chanting the Heart Sutra or listening to someone chant the Heart Sutra think, okay, I know this, let's speed it up. <laughs> I'm getting a little impatient here. We, we, we've covered this, we, you know, uh, we do it every Sunday, we've had talks about it, we've read about it, we understand it, so let's just, you know, kind of get it over with. And to be perfectly honest, I've had medita- lots of meditation sittings um, in which I will ritualistically in that kind of going through the motions. Okay, this is just part of my day, so I'm going to go ahead and check it off my to-do list for the day. Um, and clearly there's a lot that I'm missing when I do that. When when I, I hope I'm not alone there. Um, no, I think you're right, and I think you put it in a really good way. 
there's a lot that you're missing yeah. when you let that ritual become a ritual yeah. or, or just a blind routine. A funny lesson I learned was that as it happens to all of us, I'll, I'll spend a meditation session distracted, yeah. not really focused. And what's funny is that the session seems to last much longer mm-hmm. when you're not focused, when you're just waiting for the bell to finally ring. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> and so yeah. it teaches us that it actually is a better experience if you do it the way that, I don't want to say, I don't want to say the way you're supposed to, but the way you were taught to. Sure. <laughs> sure. So. Mm-hmm. Patience, sometimes. And maybe patience is, to use Jerry's term, maybe patience is a kind of anti-ritual um, because we live in an impatient, sometimes frenzied, hurried world. And um, so part of this path of practice is to learn patience and to learn to be attentive, even in spite of um, circumstances that might um, warrant, culturally warrant, um, inattention, distraction. So it can be learning, and it can be powerful tools. If you're interested, please be sure and subscribe to our podcast so that you don't miss future episodes. And for more information, be sure and visit us at dharmagatezen.org.